automatically transition in your mind to when you hear that terminology. Wisdom equals results. Death equals separation. And fellowship equals oneness. So, I want to stay along the lines of where um, Pastor is uh, has started, and then when I had the opportunity, whatever night to to a Sunday ago, and maybe a week before then, of coming and just reinforcing some of the things that um, he started in us. <clears throat> And uh, hopefully, by the Holy Ghost, we've begun to have some insight about the in-depthness of, of fellowship and oneness. And, and so, uh, to the point where it's a reality in us. It's a reality, and we know from the scripture that he used, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, that um, we've been called to fellowship. We've been called to oneness. The, the reality of it is the body of Christ. That, that's the reality of the call. You're an individual member of one body, and you've been called into the body of Christ, into fellowship with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so the practical reality of fellowship, uh, how do we know for certain that we've answered the call? Uh, it has to be a reality to us before we can have the faith that comes with the power to produce the results in our lives. I've read this to you before, but I want to read it again. Uh, that, the, that, um, that we see in Scripture that we should be experiencing. And fellowship has the power to transform every situation we encounter in life. So every time I read this word fellowship, you, you put oneness there. Oneness has the power to transform every situation that we encounter in life. So with this type of ability and responsibility available to us, we should be eager and passionate about these things. And, 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 these, and when you hear the word things, I, I, I shared with Pastor how he helped me just reading uh, Hebrews 11 about faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we put in there what things. He, he, he really never paid any attention to it, just like a lot of men of God. They're more on the faith and the substance and all that, never paid attention to the things. And he, uh, you know, through his study, and I, I 100% agree because it's helped me, and it's opened the door uh, in my, uh, my mind when he said, what are the things? It's the things done. The things done. Faith is the substance of the things done. In other words, uh, God, uh, the Lord Jesus, has sat down at the right hand of God. His work's finished. It's done. And then the Holy Ghost is here to help us appropriate those things done so that we can experience uh, the things done. So we can experience those things done. 
and, and so so we should be eager and passionate about these things, the things done, and make sure we don't forsake such a great salvation, privilege, benefit, and honor that's been given to us. And then so last week, uh, last Sunday, I talked with you about uh, the reality of fellowship, the doctrine or the demonstration of it. And so the demonstration of love is the proof of the fellowship. It is the nature and the spirit of God himself. That's what the body of Christ is. It's the very nature and the spirit of God himself. The resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ is still right here in this earth. Now his glorified body is seated in heaven. But his resurrected body is still here in the natural form through the individual members of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You, you, you can't, don't overlook that. This is where the mystery's at. Of everything that's going to open the door to what we're going to talk about tonight. We are the body of Christ. His resurrected body is in the earth right now. When he died, you died. When he was buried, you was buried. Okay? When he was raised up, you were raised up with him. Now, so we also know that he's seated. You were seated with him, but yet you're still right here also. So you have the ability to be in two places at one time. It's just the opposite of what he is. He has the ability to be in two places at one time. It's through his, his spirit glorified body is in heaven, but his natural body is right here functioning through us. I mean, that's what it is. We are the body of Christ. And all the gifts and talents and abilities that Jesus had functioning in him at one time, then each individual member has a certain portion of those gifts and talents and abilities that are functioning in each one of those. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that. That the Holy Ghost activates and works through us to perform the, the works that God has given us to do. And so what so I want to, the demonstration of love uh, it's the highest level of evangelism that God has to reveal Himself in the earth. That's to mankind and through mankind. It's the law of love. It's what gives fellowship its reputation and effectiveness in the kingdom of God for this world to see and experience. The demonstration of love is a law that establishes and enforces God's will in this life. We know that in Matthew 6.10 it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the law of love is where the transfer of the greater works of Jesus takes place in our everyday lives as he said it should be. And then in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, and 6, it says that God activates the gifts and the greater works. And he, he showed me if, that if God is love, where it says in 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John four sixteen that God is love, then you, you can just as well say love activates the gifts. Love activates the gifts. And he just told me something. I'm going to put it out there right now. And then we're going to, I'll finish with it. 
But everything God does, He enters through a door that I open. We know from Revelation, Jesus, the letters to the churches, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Everything that God does, He enters through a door that I open. And so I want to talk with you about um, one of the foundational principles of, of love, which is compassion. And so 1 John 3, verse 11 through 18 is what I'm going to read from. And so, um, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning. We should love one another and not like Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. And do not marvel, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And then I put right here, if we know we've passed from death to life uh, because uh, we got born again. Now that happened at the new birth. But what is this talking about right here when it's talking about loving the brothers? We know it has to do with the knowing. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Uh, whoever does not love his brother remains in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Now, they, he, he just said right here, the writer did, John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that if you hate your brother, you're a murderer, uh, just like Cain. And so I asked the question last night, uh, last week, that when I was up here, can us being self-centered and selfish play a part in killing somebody? And I'm on, I want to show you where this is coming from right here. It wasn't a, when you talk about Cain and Abel and everything is so much focus on the sacrifice and his sacrifice wasn't good and his was and it was accepted by God. And I shared this with Pastor a while back, and he's seen it just when I started to reveal it to him. And it probably confirmed something he had in his heart. But where this thing went wrong is when Cain asked God this question. It ain't what God asked Cain, but it's what Cain asked God. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Well, guess what the answer to that was? All right, so we're, we're not like Cain. We know the answer. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that consider other people more important than yourself, not only looking out for your own interest, but what? But also the interest of others. Amen. So, so whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. By this we know the love of God that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now this, Jesus Christ, his calling was to come and die. That's not our calling. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians that, uh, that uh, 
we, we should live for the one that died for us. And how do we live for the one that died for us? John 13, 34 is the commandment that tells us that. It's the love commandment. That you love one another just as I've loved you. And by this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. And so whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart of compassion from him... Now, the title of this particular message tonight is Compassion That Moves, Motivates, and Multiplies. Okay, so if you have your heart of compassion closed, ain't nothing moving. And you you have your heart of compassion closed from him, how can the love of God remain in him? My little children... Let us not love in word and speech, but in action and truth. And so compassion that moves, motivates, and multiplies, it opens the door for insight, understanding. Now, as I'm reading these things, you say to yourself, that's good. Is insight good? What about understanding, revelation, impartations, miracles, signs, wonders, and the demonstrations of power, compassion, and I'm going to show you in the scriptures. Now, Jesus is our example. The Bible says, 1 John 2, verse 6, that if a man says he abides in him, he ought to walk just as he walked. Amen. Amen. So this body that's here now ought to walk just like that body that was here 2,000 years ago. Should be no difference. When, when, when you begin to present a body that comes in conflict with that body then, that's where the confusion comes in with the world. They're not willing to come over to this body. But we see that that body that was here 2,000 years ago, the multitude followed him in droves. We're going to see what it was that caused that. <clears throat> so, so the insight, the understanding, the revelation, the impartations, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the demonstrations of power. Uh, compassion is, is the door that they enter through to function in the church, in the body of Christ. Compassion is the vehicle that brings God to where you are in faith. It's what brings, it, brings him to us. Compassion opens the door for God to move. Compassion activates the power of God to move among his people for the world to see and experience. This is how Jesus overcome the world. And he is our example. So compassion is both the root and the fruit of fellowship. It's where it starts and it's where it finishes. And compassion is both the source and the substance of oneness. It's an inward reality. That inward reality is the insight, the understanding, and the revelation of how things truly are. What things? Things done. 
See, Pastor taught on that Sunday. I, I couldn't wait to get up here. Pastor, this thing's done, and this, this inward reality of how things really are, how, how, how things really are, truly are. And so this inward reality requires an outward expression of love toward other people, especially the household of faith. God's people first. If the body dies, if the body dies, there is no life in the kingdom of God. The body of Christ has to have the substance and the provision and the perfection to evangelize the world. It has to have it. And so, go, and, go ye in all the world and make disciples. I've said this before. How is it that you, can, you, you, you cannot go in and make disciples if you're a reproach among your own people? Moses said this in Exodus, dealing with Pharaoh and dealing with his people. <clears throat> he, he, he went in and told the children of Israel, that, hey, God's going to bring you out and, let, and enter you in. He told Pharaoh the same thing. And neither one of them believed him. Well, guess what happened? Pharaoh died in the sea, and Israel died in the desert. But an interesting thing that Moses said when he was back and forth with God about dealing with the children of Israel and Pharaoh, he said, how is it that Pharaoh's going to listen to me when your own people won't listen to me? So how are you going to evangelize? Pharaoh represents the world. And I'm telling you, it was God's will that Egypt be turned to a, 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 a nation of God's people. That was, his, that was the whole desire that, that when God said, hey, I, I raised him up for a time such as this, so my power might be uh, demonstrated in him. Didn't say nothing about to him. It said in him. That God had the ability for this man to repent, just let the people go, and, and Egypt was probably on the, on the verge of one of the great empires that would have never fallen if they would have just maintained Staying with God. That was his whole deal. And we know from Scripture that it's God's will that all should repent. But Moses said that, and we know we look at that time with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt as a type and a shadow of the church. And so when you start talking about love and compassion and not one, not one among them had a need, what we knew about in Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, and Acts chapter 11. This level of, of, of fellowship being completed to the point not one among them had a need. How is the world going to listen to that if God's people won't listen to it? Amen. So we're talking about compassion, okay? Uh, and and this, this, this inward reality, 
that is established by compassion has the power and ability, the anointing, to change every situation in the lives of people that are coming to God for help. He's our forever present help in a time of need. That means with salvation, deliverance, financial, mental, physical, etc., healing, all these different examples in the Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. Take upon me my yoke, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God's made a promise to the world. If you'll come unto me, I'll meet every need. And so I want to look at some instances here in the Scripture talking about compassion. And I want to be able to show you the difference between what God says and what man says, what Jesus done and what man wanted him to do, and the difference that that created in their lives and in his life. And the Scriptures are clear on it. It's a beautiful thing. So one one of the ones here... uh, Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. Uh, they had just heard that John the Baptist had been killed. And so verse 13 says, When Jesus heard this, he departed from there by boat for a, a desert place. But when the people heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. See, faith follows. That's, that's, that's God, that's the Holy Ghost drawing these people. They're drawing them near. Faith follows. When they heard about Jesus, they followed him. And Jesus went ashore and saw the great assembly. See, God sees you when you follow him. When you make an effort to get to him, he sees it. And so the Bible says here, And Jesus was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. So see, his door of compassion was open. That gives room for movement of the Holy Ghost to function and activate through the anointing, the gifts of healing. We, we need the gifts of healing in the church. The, these gifts are, are in uh, 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians. And, and love activates these gifts. And compassion is the vehicle that brings God to where you're at by faith. It, it, that's what, this is what, the, and he was moved with compassion. All right, so watch this. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, Hey, this is a lonely place, a desert place, and the day is now over. In other words, church service is over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages so they can buy food for themselves. But Jesus said they don't need to go nowhere. They don't need to depart. You give them something to eat. Now, so... 
Why is it that they didn't want to send them away when it come to the healing? See, the healing didn't cost them anything. But when it come time to eat, we're going to read from another portion of Scripture, they, they thought it was going to cost them something. Amen. So they wanted to send them away for that. But So God says, man says, uh, go and find. And Jesus said, stay and receive. So we go back from Boaz in the book of Ruth. I told you he's a kinsman redeemer. Ruth came. She's going to glean on the outside. They let her. But then Boaz, functioning in his heart of compassion, he's seen her. And then a transition began to take place. He said, you let her come on in and glean with the women. And you let her have a part of the harvest. She don't, she don't have to glean from the, what's left over out here. You, you bring her in and let her glean with all the, the regular women. That field represents the church. Boaz is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ that was to come. And then it even went a little bit further. He told his men, you go glean far, pick it, and get her the best and hand it to her. And don't you stop her from eating. And don't send her away to another field. So Boaz said the same thing Jesus said. Don't send them away. You feed them. Amen. So, they said to him, we've only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. And I told you last week, God don't want everything you've got. He just wants what you're willing to give. See, they acknowledged that they had something to give. A couple of fish and some loaves. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them. And he gave the loaves to the disciples. Disciples gave to the crowds. They all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Those that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. So bringing what they had didn't cause them to run out. It caused them to run over. So the compassion opened the door to the multiplication. We know that Jesus was moved with compassion. I told you the title, Compassion That Moves, Motivates, and Multiplies. And so, where God says, stay and receive, men say, go and buy. Now, here's where I want to show you about what compassion does here. Um, in, in this same instance with the Canaanite woman in 15 verse 21 
Then Jesus went from there and departed into the regions of Tyre and Sidon. And there a woman of Canaan came out of the same regions and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter severely possessed by a demon. And he did not answer her a word. Now, I'm convinced, just like other occasions with the lady caught in the act of adultery, Jesus is looking for insight on what to say. He was waiting to hear from heaven. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not right uh, to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done unto you as you desire. So we see again here that Jesus acted with compassion and the disciples wanted to send her away. We know when the children came wanting to be blessed by Jesus. Talking about children now. They wanted to send them away. And so, turn it over to... uh, Matthew 19, and I'm, I'm going to cut it short. I'm going to beat Matt he, on his, I ain't going to know way I'm going to go that long as, as Matt did. I'm going to, y'all ain't going to be mad at me, but amen. <laughs> so look, Matt, uh, Matthew 19, let's look at this. <clears throat> Starting at verse 16. This is the rich young ruler, okay? And so, now now one came to him saying, Good teacher, what, what good deed uh, shall I do to uh, have eternal life? And um, he replied, Why do you call me good? There's only one good. And but if you enter, but if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And so... Under the Old Covenant, Old Testament, the commandments were love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, which ones? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. uh, Bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. and, And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Young man said to him, all these I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? So what he's asking is, is there more to this life? Is there still something left that I'm missing? What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, that means lacking nothing, complete, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And so one of the things I noticed about this uh, 
particular person and the way way the things are going have to be in the kingdom of God. You can't have an ownership mentality. You got to have a stewardship mentality. You you can't have an ownership mentality. You got to have a manager's mentality. You you got to be able to have compassion in your heart that any resource you have if God puts his finger on it and needs it to be transferred somewhere, you're willing to do it. But th- here's, here's one place here, and I'm trying to... I had a, a scripture here that I wanted to show you. Let me look over here to Mark 6, and then I'm going to... This will be it. Uh, Mark 6, 30 through 44. Yeah, this is it. Mark 6, 30 through 44. This is the, another account of the feeding. So the apostles met with Jesus and told him everything. Now we're still talking about compassion is what opens the door to insight, understanding, revelation, impartations, um, all, all the things that the Holy Spirit activates in us. And anything that God does, He enters through a door that I open or we open. So the apostles met with Jesus and told Him everything, both what they had done and what they had taught. He said, come away by yourselves to a remote place. Let's rest a while for many are coming and going and they had no leisure time to eat. So they went to a remote place privately by boat. But the people saw them departing, and many knew him. And they, and they ran their own foot out of every city. So see, they were being drawn by the Holy Spirit. The word about this man and his ministry uh, had, had gotten out to all the regions. And so they arrived first, come together to him. When Jesus came out and saw the people, he was what? Moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them. So they were ignorant. And he met that need of ignorance with what? Information, knowledge. He began to teach them. And so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. And now the time is passing. Send them away. So that they can go into the surrounding country and the villages to buy food for themselves, for they have nothing to eat. So now you had ignorance. Well, you had healing in, in the last account, okay? And then you had people that was desperately needing some guidance and instruction and direction in their lives, like sheep without a shepherd. And then we're talking about the food provision. And then, uh, so uh, he said, no, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Uh, In other words, they asked, Shall we spend our own money? When they found out, when they found out, they said, No, no, he, he said, Just how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so he asked them, What do you have to offer? And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make everyone sit down in companies uh, on the green grass. They sat down in ranks, hundreds and fifties. 
And when they, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven and blessed it, he broke the loaves, gave to the disciples, set before them. He divided the two fish among them all. They ate and all were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments <clears throat> and of the fish. And those who ate of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now, notice they sat down in the grass. Uh, the divine order, there, there's a divine order to the provision. It's just not a free-for-all. It's just not a free-for-all. There's a divine order on how this works. And, and the book of Acts tells us, and it's simple. And so, um, but notice down here, it comes, uh, when he sent the crowds away, notice it was after he met their needs. He sent them away to tell others that God provided for them. He taught us some stuff. He fed us. He healed us. He sent them away with a testimony. That's why everywhere he went, people came to him. Now, I'm telling you, if Heritage Christian Center does the things that we're talking about in this Bible, you ain't going to have to go out there and evangelize. They're going to come to you. They're going to follow you. They're going to want to be here. Because they have physical needs in their lives. That once the people here in this church tell them, hey, you come to Heritage, they're going to help you. We're going to help you. Whatever it is, it don't matter. And like I said with the account with Ruth, she didn't do nothing spiritual. She just went looking for something to eat. But then after Boaz done what he done to her and for her, the Bible says she bowed down and worshipped. It got spiritual then. So the whole deal with the Old Testament transitioning in the New Testament is back then God dealt with people through the natural things. And that's why it was so hard for the disciples to understand some of the spiritual stuff they still trying to deal in the natural things. And you don't discard them, but that's how you deal with humanity to draw it. What, what did the prodigal son say when he was in a pigsty? Man, at least I could eat in my father's house. Caused him to repent. Then when he got back, some spiritual stuff happened. He went from servant to sonship. So notice here, when, when Jesus come walking on the water, and uh, they were scared, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. And, and, but, but guess what? Why he didn't? He had a heart of compassion. And immediately he spoke to him, be of good cheer, it's I, don't be afraid. And so um, uh, then he went up to them in the boat and the wind seized. They were greatly astonished in themselves beyond measure and wondering, for they had not understood or comprehended, had no insight of the miracles of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. So they had no compassion for the people. Wanted to send them away, therefore they had no revelation and they were unable to see that the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ is what opened the door for the miracles. And so the things of God all around them, they were healing, delivering, uh, feeding, the, the things of God were all around them, but they had no insight, no understanding, no revelation, therefore no greater works. See, the greater works are found in the greater love. We know John fourteen twelve. that's the greater works. 
But 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 John fifteen thirteen, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And the greater glory is in the fellowship. And everything God does, he enters through the door that I open. Guys, I, I, I 100% promise you, when we begin this process, the highest level of evangelism in the earth is through the demonstration of love that we have for one another. Rahab the prostitute in the city of Jericho, that everybody died and she had the faith to live when everybody else perished. It started because she said, I heard what God done for, for you in Egypt. And then you go over into what Moses said when he wanted to go through the desert and he asked his brother-in-law to come with him. He said, you could be our eyes. That's the type of the body of Christ. You can go with us. God's spoken good things about us. And he said, whatever it is that God does for us, we will certainly do for you. And so the, the greater works is found in the greater love. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Father, I thank you for this night. Lord God, um, this word of encouragement that brings joy in our hearts, that builds us up and strengthens us, gives us confidence in that day that when we pray, we know you hear us. And if we know you hear us, we know that we have what we've asked you for. This is the confidence we have. And the love of God and the compassion of God functioning in our lives and in our heart is what opens the door to that confidence that we lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. We cast out devils. These things that we desire in, 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 in our lives Father God, I think that our eyes are open to the things that's been hindering us now. And we're going to be quick to move. We're going to be quick to respond, quick to believe, quick to repent. But yes, Lord, we're going to be quick to receive. And Lord, I know there's a place in your house for us because we done made a place for you in us. And we thank you for it. The promises of God are yes and amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Beat you by three minutes, Matt. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching.